Okay, here we go. Hey, everyone. Um, We're back for a podcast that I'm really excited. I got to set the stage. Um, You might be able to tell that we're not on Zoom where the sound is really perfect and nice and clean. We're just in my living room. Coffee talk. Thank you, Mike Myers. Um, And which means ambient noises. So, and I got my new uh, little boy here. So there might be a random yelp anywhere. I'm not strangling him. He's probably having night terrors. I'm kidding. Um, So today we want to talk about healing. um, Basically healing actually our body from the effects of... uh, what would you adverse childhood experiences Mm -hmm. which is the technical term and kind of taking it more to a biological physical level so the mind body spirit mind we kind of understand our story we we can intellectually uh, make connections between the experiences we had growing up you know how that developed into our eating disorder and and then how recovery works intellectually. And then of course, spiritually, you know, connecting ourselves um, to our spirit, however you want to define that, and creating a spiritual community. Well, there's another piece of, you know, the body. And oftentimes in OA, we think of the body piece as pure abstinence. Well, there are some of us who have what the big book refers to as causes and conditions. Uh, that go deeper than just being abstinent. A lot abstinent. A lot of time when we get sober and abstinent, there here come the panic attacks. Here come the you know the anxiety and stuff like that. So as a way to preface our talk today um, with uh, my guests here that I well my beloveds uh, Stephanie and Stacy who we've all heard before, I want to read a couple of of passages from the big book. Um, One is uh, on page 133. Now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking, binging, purging, whatever, anorexia, are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation, but this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Then the other little chapter that I want to read is on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And so I feel like that that's kind of where our generation is at now, is sort of tying you know, how free do you want to be? And for those of us who do have the adverse childhood experiences, we hit a place of like, okay, I'm sober and I'm abstinent. I know my story. 
I have a spiritual community. I've came to believe in a power greater than myself. I'm still having night terrors. I'm still having panic attacks. I'm still having agoraphobia. You know, um, I'm still having depression. My how, what is our next step? And Stacy and I have been forced to explore this and have experience with that. And then Stephanie is beginning to explore this in it at this level you've explored it before but at this sort of being abstinent working at it in 12 step and so how this conversation or this podcast came about was stephanie is my recovery wife we've been working together we're in the middle of our four step and it's been activating and you stacy has just come from learning all about the recent research which I didn't know I had to go through this in 2006 where there wasn't very much research. So the idea for this podcast is when Stephanie had questions, I said, why don't you ask Stacy? And then Stacy had, and I had been talking about, you know, doing a podcast on all that she's learned. And so we're merging it with this podcast where we're actually going to record Stephanie sort of talking to Stacy and just having that conversation. Um, and then you and me get to kind of be audience to this. So um, as a way to kind of bring your voices into the podcast, uh, why don't you guys do a, a little introduction? Maybe, you know, Stephanie kind of in your own words, I said it, but in your own words, and maybe kind of what you would like to learn about and then Stacy, you're gonna kind of take the floor, and then you can, you can absolutely interrupt. This is a conversation, you know what I mean? This isn't a class. This is, you know, people that I love, you know, and we're just talking. So you want to start, Steph? Yeah. So um, I'm so excited to hear, uh, Stacy, what you've learned uh, on this journey that you've been on. Um, I um, know just a little bit. Um, from, you know, seeing your posts on podcasts and whatever, and, and have learned recently that you're kind of, um, you know, through the, the darkest part of the journey, perhaps. And so, and very excited to hear that, you know, like you said something to the effect of like recovery is possible. And that like, inspired me with so much hope because um, I, you know, um, whether it be in a, you know, some of it's hard to, to discern exactly what's going on. You know, I'm perimenopausal. I'm, you know, I have an ACE score that's off the charts. I'm, you know, recently abstinent, you know, so it's like what, what all is causing, um, what's going on with me. But, um, you know, my experience of late has been, you know, a lot of fatigue, uh, panic attacks, um, go on but um strange phenomenon and whatever so i'm really anxious to um to become more resourced and and learn like different um techniques and um you know scientific information that will make it you know kind of come together and um i'm hopeful that i will um like you um be posting that <laughs> recovery is possible and that you know that I can um you know use different techniques and and whatnot in order to uh heal myself so 
really, like I said, really excited to, to hear what you've learned because um, I know just enough to kind of be dangerous. Like I know that, that vagal tone and vagal nerve, um, you know, plays an important part in, you know, our anxiety mitigation and so forth. And, but I don't know like anything about what to do about that or, um, you know, and then you talked, you've talked about, um, uh, coming through exhaustion and, you know, so that, uh, I struggle with that fairly, uh, regularly myself. So at any rate, so I think I'll, uh, shush you there and, uh, let you dive in. I'll probably, I might stop you here and there, but I'm mostly going to be like, so for those of you that can't see, I'm, you know, sitting uh, anticipatorily uh, waiting to hear what, what Stacey has to share with us. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Um, yeah, I, I'll just give sort of a brief version. Um, some people in recovery circles know a little bit about my more recent journey. Um, I've been in recovery for 13 years. And I have gone through in the last year, basically, but it started before that, um, a very dark night of the soul, a dark season, a dark year of the soul. Um, and I realized there's been sort of a perfect storm that brought that about. That's something I've learned in chronic illness circles. People talk about their perfect storm. So it's no one factor. It's always a collection of factors that come together and that have been like accumulating often and building for years and then yeah, there might be one sort of final thing that kind of breaks the camel's back um, or breaks the dam open. Yeah, so for me, you know, I've done a lot of work in recovery, you know, also had, you know, adverse childhood experiences. So like worked through a lot of that through the steps and through therapy. And, you know, of course, all of that helps. Um, but there are other factors, you know, things like just the stress in our world, um, especially since 2016, I would say, um, you know, really marked a, a turning point of sorts. I won't go into detail about that, but you can all fill in your heads. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I also had children, my first child that same year. So that of course is a huge turning point um, in any person's life. And just the uh, emotional, physical, hormonal, all of those aspects um, that are involved with that. Um, and then the continuing, you know, continuing political stress, sort of increasing climate uh, emergency. I feel like that has really escalated over the last few years. Um, I had my second child in 2018 and then, you know, two kids. That's a whole other sort of level um, of stress. And I went to a period of that reactivated, not just that alone, but again, those factors like sort of reactivating anorexia and issues with control and anxiety and trying to sort of keep everything together in my family. And then the pandemic comes along. And of course, you know, I don't need to go into detail about that. We all know what we've been through over the last few years. Um, but just the daily uh, unrelenting stream of stress coming at us in all different forms. For all of us, we've had our version of that. You know, for me, it was like having two young kids at home and suddenly having to homeschool them and do my job from home and like transition all of those things and sort of keep this household going and adding to this already heightened level of anxiety that I was experiencing, sort of doubling down on control behaviors and some of the anorexic behavior. Um, and then, you know, pandemic's continuing on. And, you know, what do you do when you're in a household that's like 
so we've been stuck in our house for the last you know year and a half let's remodel our house so that's you know that's what you do when you're in my family and and you've also been like saving money because you're not doing anything you know so it's like oh we got this extra money so we remodeled our basement last year we had to move out of our house for several months this was you know like many renovation projects long and convoluted and lasted much longer than we thought and we were out of our house with two kids and i'm also trying to work from this other place when we moved back in we still don't have a working bathroom we're using a porta potty i mean just the conditions were like again ongoing let's add another layer of, of stress and upheaval and i get some kind of virus last august so this is after we've been back in our house for a little bit but the renovation project is still very much underway and i tested for COVID, then it was negative. There's a part of me that thinks it could have, could have been, cause that, you know, that can happen with the test. It doesn't really matter at this point, but it was, I got some kind of virus where I got, you know, it just felt like a really bad, bad cold or version of a flu. And, you know, did rested in bed and was just very tired for a few days. And then I'm trying to, you know, reemerge into life. And I remember a few, I think it was a, just a couple weeks later, there was a day I was playing with my kids. And I remember thinking, I'm so unbelievably tired. I don't think I've ever felt this tired in this way before. Like there was a feeling of like literally kind of dragging my body through space. It's what it felt like. And I just thought, huh, okay, maybe it's hormones, you know, other things that can come and go. And I just kind of like waited to see, saw how, you know, the days went. And then the following weeks, still so much fatigue, like at a level I've never experienced before. Um, I would take my kids to school. My son started kindergarten. So another like big milestone, you know, kind of adding that to our whole routine in the family. A lot of, of course, again, stress about, oh, now I'm sending my little son out to, he'd done some preschool before, but he'd actually been at home. Um, so now I'm sending him into public school and like the pandemic's still raging, you know? So like that whole, that's a whole other sort of level of, of stress. Um, so I, you know, get my kids ready for school in the morning. I have to like lie down during the day, you know, I'm still working, but I'm finding these periods where I'm just like having to like lie down and not do anything. And I'm just having all these headaches all the time, starting to not sleep well. I've had issues with insomnia kind of back and forth. Anxiety starts to continue to increase along with depression. I'm just going, what is going on? I, long story short, I go and see. No. I, okay, I'll, I'll do, give you the long version. Um, I finally go, let's see, I think I checked in with the doctor a few times. They did check my iron. Um, I was anemic. That is an issue for me because I've been vegan and vegetarian off and on. So, you know, had to address, okay, maybe that's it. Uh, low iron levels can really contribute to fatigue and headaches and depression and other things. Um, so I thought, okay, that's it, right? Every time there'd be sort of more information, it's like, okay, this is, this is going to help me feel better. It, I think it may have helped a little bit. You know, I started taking iron and started eating some meat again. Um, and But then it's like, I was still tired and still having the headaches. The anxiety and depression are not really getting better. Um, so I go back to the doctor again. You know, it's like just a few weeks later. I think I'd had and some... And we're moving into the darker season. Right, we're going so into fall. So again, another... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, going into fall at this point. Yeah, the days are getting shorter. Um... Yeah, and then I, I go to see the doctor and they think, well, maybe you've just had this sinus infection that hasn't gone away. So I take, it's like five days of antibiotics. And I think like the first day I was like, oh, I think I, this is it. Like, I feel better. Take the, the full course. But then about, you know, when I'm done with that, about a week later, I'm feeling tired again. Like, okay. And I just sort of like give, give that a little more time. 
seems like the symptoms come back, like the headache seems bad again. Um, at this point, I think I was noticing, and it would be usually more in the morning, like kind of a burning sensation in my arms. And I'm like, is this like some kind of virus that's coming back? Like what's going on? But along with the continued fatigue and the headaches, so I go back again, they give me another, like, let's do 10 days of antibiotics. And I feel like that kind of helped again, but then it was the same cycle. Then I finished those and it was like, sort of everything kind of came back again. And I woke up, I remember this particular time, I think like more with like a pounding heart and almost like a cold sweat, again with that sort of burning feeling in my arms. And I'm just feeling like, am I just like sick with something really weird? So I go back in again and they're like, let's try a stronger version of an antibiotic. So I take this version think of for 10 days again. And I think it, it was like, okay, I think that's kind of helping. Maybe it just needed that like stronger version of the antibiotic. So I take that. I am starting to feel like improved. Um, you know, I don't have the same level of fatigue. I had this sort of improvement of energy. Um, I had a few weeks there yeah, where it felt like, okay, I also am like changing and working with some different medications. You know, cause I'm thinking we had tried increasing the Zoloft I was on, but then it didn't seem like that was really helping. I also started looking into ketamine um, lozenges that you can take at home. So I was trying some of that. And I think that did help a little bit, actually. So I'm doing some kind of medication changes during What's this time. What's ketamine? So ketamine is a, it's classified as kind of a psychedelic um, medication. It's not as intense, depending on the dose that you take, as, say, LSD or psilocybin, uh, psychedelic mushrooms. But it does have that kind of effect. Um, and the idea behind ketamine is that it can alter some chemicals in your brain and really help your brain move into a more neuroplastic state, meaning it's more um, amenable to different kind of changes and different ways you might want to work with it. And so it can help some people kind of get out of patterns of anxiety and depression. Um, so I'm, I'm working with that a little bit. I think some of that's helping. I do notice my energy seems better and I feel just kind of some enthusiasm returning. And then... And then some of those kind of the health, uh, the physical symptoms kind of come back again in a more subtle way. Like again, I'm sort of, we're going into December by this time and I'm feeling more tired. I'm still having like pretty intense anxiety, um, which I think is also making, you know, adding to the fatigue and I'm not sleeping well. And I'm just trying to like work and I'm taking on this other type of freelance work, kind of this new project that was intense in its own way. So that's adding a certain other kind of anxiety and we go into the holidays and I'm, you know, I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm not feeling great. Um, I'm wanting, I'm at this point, I'm preparing for a couple of psilocybin experiences. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's like just something different I can try. So let's pause here. So you're not, I want to just do a little bit more on the, cause you're, what I remember from this period is you're really trying to you're not doing great is a very small statement. Mm -hmm. Like you were really, and we talked about like December is the dark night of the soul for everyone. Mm -hmm. You're in darkness that feels darker than normal. And you're really trying to find, um, you know, so this, so while all of that is going on, you're also trying to do all of this research working with, was it Zach? Yeah, working with a new therapist. Yeah, mm -hmm. to just look at, like, what are some possible... Because what's working isn't working. Mm -hmm. 
So what's out there that's new? Mm-hmm. You know, so I want to make sure that people are, you know, the way that you talk about it historically is like, oh, and I was doing this. I was like, no, this was exhausting for you too. Yes, I, I thank you for bringing that up because I think I've, I've just been through so many stages of this. Yeah. That, yeah, I have to kind of pause and bring myself back into that time. Because you were reading stuff. Yeah, I was you doing... You got mad at Bill Wilson. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. He was... Uh, I learned that Bill Wilson had taken Belladonna, which is sort of a hallucinogenic kind of plant. Which, yeah, which is what they all did at that time. Yeah, it wasn't like to some... To take the drunks in the... Whatever they called them. They didn't call them treatment centers. They called them hospitals or something. Yeah, sanitarium. Yeah. 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 And they would do, you know, the belladonna treatment. Mm-hmm. It was the thing that you did. Right. It was of this time. But I learned it had sort of these, like, I think hallucinogenic properties. Yeah. And that is, was also connected to his big spiritual awakening, you know, the yeah. story that he tells in the big book. And in my, you know, I'm reading Michael Pollan, you know, who's sort of the preeminent, uh, contemporary journalist who has done a lot of research into psychedelics and, you know, all these other sort of related things. And yeah, thinking, well, it would have been nice if Bill Wilson had mentioned that he had like a psychedelic (laughs) factor in his spiritual awakening. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) Damn you, Bill. I know, I'm like coming to Nicole, like I have, I've got a resentment to talk to you about. Yeah, it's true. She came in, she's like, I have a resentment for Bill Wilson. But then I, you know, we talked about like, it was understandable that that was not included in the big book. I've gotten over it, but it was, that was just part of the journey as far as like learning about like, and psychedelics I think can be really powerful um and they have been a part of my journey they were not the sort of like key heavens opening and some people i've heard about having these experiences with like they did this one particular trip and they came out of it you know feeling like some very big things had shifted but i've had some powerful trips i did do psilocybin a couple times through this period it was very powerful but it did not relieve me of the anxiety and the depression like there was i still was carrying that and had more work to do Oh, that was you going to the beach. Yeah. I I want to make sure we dilate a little bit on the Evolve, but go ahead. Yeah. So so, we're still in December. You're doing all this research. Yeah. I'm doing, you know, all this work on like looking into all these things. Yeah. But but what's important here that I want to make sure that we mark is you're really learning about neuroplasticity mm -hmm. because that's key. Mm -hmm. Yes. um, Yeah. This was kind of the beginning because I've, I've gone much deeper down. I don't want to call it a rabbit hole that has sort of like pejorative connotations, I feel like. Um, but yeah, much deeper down that road now. But that was sort of the beginning of more of my research into neuroplasticity and, and learning. Let's, let's explain neuroplasticity. Yeah, so neuroplasticity, it's a term. Um, so the brain is plastic, meaning, you know, plastic in that, that it, the tissue can change. It is not as once as was once thought You know, scientists believe like you're born with a certain kind of brain and maybe you have certain experiences and once, especially you reach a certain age, like your brain does not change. Like this is the brain that you have. And even if you have like a brain injury, can't really recover from, you know, certain kinds. And we've since learned, and even really in the last two decades, there's been even more um, recent research that has really, we're still kind of, I think at this sort of next wave um, of understanding neuroplasticity. And there's a lot of hope in that. Oh, it's, yes, incredibly hopeful that regardless, uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't say regardless, but, you know, we're all born with a certain kind of brain and we have certain experiences, but there are so many things that our brain is capable of still changing at any point in our lives. Like, that's mm-hmm. the really exciting, 
hopeful um, information. And that's what I was starting to learn about with psychedelics. That's why psychedelics have the powerful effect on people um, because they, they help sort of um, ease the brain into a neuroplastic state, meaning that the brain is more um, maybe open to kind of certain changes and ideas and gets out of um, certain neural pathways. So one way I learned that ketamine also works similarly. Um, if you think of your neural pathways, the way that your thoughts work like a big snowy hill that you're sledding down and you take, you start sledding down this hill and as you keep sledding down, you end up just your sled starts falling into that same path that you've been sledding down because it creates this groove in the snow, right? It's, and it's just yeah. easier to sled down that path after a while. Samskara, I think is what they call it in, yo- in uh, yoga, samskara, are those the pathways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it's like, yeah, we've got these pathways. Um, and psychedelics can help kind of smooth all that out it's almost like you know sending a, a yeah. snow plow over it or just like letting newly fallen snow fall and sort of evening everything out again so you don't have you know these certain um deep grooves that you're necessarily you know automatically going down so that's the idea of neuroplasticity in sort of that realm i do want to do a footnote that stacy in no way was doing this unattended yes Yes, I, and especially, I also, yeah, I want to say I'm not just a, a member of OA, but I started in AA. Um, I've been sober from drugs and alcohol for 13 years, and I knew, I very carefully researched and talked to my sponsor and, and talked to a therapist, this, talked yeah. to professionals. I was very transparent that, you know, I am looking into doing psychedelics for these mental health reasons not for any kind of like hey it'd be fun to like eat some mushrooms at a party which yeah. you know I've done that in the past and like yeah that's not something I do recreationally anymore um but that I do believe these substances have healing healing properties. powers and properties yeah. yeah and that's how I was approaching it of like I want to do this with support you know being very honest about the whole process you know talking to my husband about it like everybody in my life who needed to know about it I talked uh to them about it just so I could be yeah very clear on what my goals were um, yeah, so I'm learning, learning more about neuroplasticity, you know, um, had a couple very powerful, well, one in particular, I should say, powerful experience um, on psilocybin. And it also, you know, that is a, still a tricky substance. It was the... When was that? When? So this was when I went out to my sister's sure. house on yeah. the coast. And I'll just say just briefly, I did try them like six weeks before. And I had just recently gotten off of SSRIs, which can interfere with the potency of psilocybin in particular, because um, the way that serotonin acts on the brain. So yeah. I took like a pretty, like I want to say about five grams, which is like a, a pretty heavy dose. Um, and I did not really feel much at all. And so then I got off of SSRIs for a few weeks when I took a dose again of psilocybin it was definitely a powerful trip. So I could see the difference just like in my brain of not having SSRIs in my brain. And yeah, it was, I think I processed like I had a lot of deep grief that came up. This was also, this was like early or mid January. So this was like the Omicron wave was coming like crashing down on our communities. Yeah. This isn't like the deepest part of winter. Um, I was doing it because I felt like I just want to go and have this experience and try to get some relief. Right. When I look at it now, like, 
kind of an intense time to choose to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did have some of that blissful experience at the beginning and felt like very at one with the universe. It felt like the, you know, the universe is divine love and I am part of that. And then the second half was dark and intense and I was crying and I was like feeling this like grief for our entire planet and all yeah. of humanity and just like all of the trauma that we've all been through over the last couple of years. And I'm glad I went through that. But again, it, when I came out of that, I wasn't in a place of peace. It was like that grief was still kind of hanging with me. I knew that I could still process that, that a lot of psychedelic experiences aren't just like, oh, I just had that trip and now I'm just like walking back into my life and everything's, you know. Uh, so the integration. And yeah, exactly. You have to like take some time to integrate these experiences. So I knew that I could still do that. But the issue was like my body didn't feel at peace. I still was very much in a, in an intense anxiety, um, really getting to the point of being like in pain from anxiety. Um, and I should say too, I, uh, earlier, this was part of what led me to this by like November and December, I was having suicidal thoughts, you know, not, not the kind of thing where I had a plan, but just the, like, I want out from yeah. the way that my life feels right now. Yeah. Um, where's my ticket out? Where's my ticket out? I can't, if this is how I have to keep feeling every day, like I can't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I just want to be clear, like, and I would have to explain this to multiple, I can't tell you how many of the PHQ nine forms and whatever yeah. that other generalized, I think anxiety questionnaire, whatever that other form is, how many I filled out of those. Um, and had to answer the question like, you know, are you having suicidal thoughts? Yes. Do you have a plan? No. Um, and being very clear, like I have two children, this is the last thing I want to do, but I don't want to keep living and feeling like this. Right. Like, but so I feel this bad, but I yeah. feel, yeah, this bad, like this is life is bad. painful yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like this is how dark, you know, like yeah. on those scales of dark. No, the darkness is, and Stacy and I, fortunately, Stacy didn't have to be alone in this, you know, we we connected and I would say oh yeah you know not only do I get it but I told her like my version is you know where's my cancer you know and then I know that I'm in that dark place when I hear someone else gets a terminal illness and I'm feeling jealous like why do you get and then Sella would say a ticket out mm -hmm. why does she get a ticket out and I have to stay and fucking do this work mm -hmm. you know what I mean so mm -hmm. we just want to pause here and be like if you're identifying with this, please talk to someone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think it was important that you knew that you could also be on, like, you weren't scaring me. Yes, that was huge. Um, yeah, and I want, yeah, I want to directly speak to anyone listening. Yeah, if you have the, these feelings, yeah, finding, it, it just has to be one person that you can talk to and be honest about your darkness and that you feel like is not scared away by it. Yeah. Because not everyone will understand it. Like even my husband, you know, I love him, but he's never experienced darkness like this. And I'm very happy for him. Um, but I, I can only share so much with him yeah. because he just didn't get it. And I knew with Nicole, she was like, yeah, this doesn't scare me. And I could tell by the way that she received whatever I had yeah. to say, I could say anything. I didn't have to, I didn't have to protect her right. from my darkness. And that was 
I felt like, felt like that was saving my life on certain days. And also that I understood from experience what it means to feel that level of darkness and to know I'm not going to go kill myself. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, you don't have to worry about me. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that that was what Stacy, you know, and I knew the feeling of I didn't want to tell anyone. You know, because I'm like, I'm not going to go kill mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you how dark I'm feeling mm-hmm. because you're going to be afraid that I'm going to go kill uh-huh. myself when that's not even on the table. Right. Yeah. It's such a tricky thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's, it's, um, yeah, it feels like an unfortunate limitation of our society. Like it, it's it good that we are so sensitive to, you know, yeah. okay, if someone says certain things like here are the signs and like, make sure that you... Um, are checking in on, you know, loved right. ones and, you know, preventing people from taking their own lives, you know, trying to be proactive in that process. However, yeah, there is a version of this darkness and a version of the dark night of the soul where you're just walking down that path. And yeah, you feel like you want to end it just because it's so excruciating to keep living that way. But yeah, where it's not an option. Mm-hmm. You know you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that you're thinking about it. Yeah. And you're feeling that like you want a way out of that where you you're at. That you want a way out mm-hmm. of where you're at. And then you feel alone in it because, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh my God, if I tell anyone this, right. they're going to have a reaction instead of what Stacy was able to do. And I had to tell Stacy, she didn't know, I had to tell her. I am not afraid of your darkness. I actually remember sending you that text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I get it. I am not afraid of your darkness. And I think I even had to tell you about the where's my cancer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that Sella was there for me and she wasn't afraid of my darkness. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just like, can I just... Let me dilate on this since we're going to dilate on this. So much of recovery is step one. Honesty. What is true? And getting out of isolation. Well, if I can talk to you about my food cravings, if I can talk to you about my PTSD, if I can talk to you about somehow it's okay to be anxious and have insomnia and like whatever. But if I am alone in my darkness and I can't talk to you about it, Mm -hmm. I'm nowhere near a solution Mm -hmm. you know I'm nowhere near the path out because I'm alone with it Mm -hmm. Uh, and so again our PSA is you know the person is out there who the person is we don't know Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but you know so again going back to this time you know that we sort of skated over which led to you know was that you were having suicidal thoughts you know, which were really your thing was, I can't keep doing this. My thing would, so again, the thoughts meaning like you, the thought of like, I can't keep living like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My thought was, I didn't have the thought. I would hear someone say that they had some so-and-so died and I would get jealous. So again, we find these things where it's like, you know, someone else's would be like, they don't want to get out of bed. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And by extension, it kind of, that can go to, like, I just want off. I just want Mm -hmm. off this fucking planet. Mm -hmm. I don't want to participate in this anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was when? 
So yeah, that had started. And that was kind of the impetus for looking mm-hmm. at the psychedelics and whatever. Right, because yeah, even though I physically, some of those symptoms had started to get a little better, you know, I feel like I could kind of keep going. Yeah, the the psychological symptoms seemed like they were getting worse, like through November and December. Right. Or yeah, definitely through December, um, where the anxiety just kind of really spiked again. Um, yeah, there was a painful level to the anxiety that I, I think also hadn't fully experienced before. I mean, I've had panic attacks in the past and all sorts of, you know, versions of anxiety. But yeah, this was, it had a darkness to it where like the anxiety and depression were really all wrapped up together with each other. Um, so yeah, starting to have, you know, just those kind of suicidal thoughts in that time. And yeah, that's when I started looking into, okay, ketamine and the psychedelic, the psilocybin. Um, yeah, and so I had that experience on psilocybin. And, you know, again, I think it showed me some things. I think it like led to, okay, I have some integration work to do, like around like this grief that came up um, and all of that. And I still needed some relief. I still was experiencing excruciating anxiety and depression um, every day. So I detracted you, but we were at the beach experience where, mm-hmm. oh, and then crying for the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, you know, it's powerful that like I felt very in touch with my higher power, even during that dark part of the journey. Um, but I was like sobbing. Yeah. And just like, oh, you know, universe. And like, just, I felt like I was channeling like the grief of the planet, really. I know that sounds kind nope. of hyperbolic, but nope. especially on a substance like that, it was just like yeah. moving through my body. And in some ways it felt cathartic. You know, I'd been mm-hmm. carrying that around like a lot of us and yeah. that was just in the form of anxiety. So it was, I think, you know, helpful to release some of that, but it was heavy and it's not like I just released it all and then it was free, you know? So I think I came out of that experience still carrying it or just even more yeah. sort of awake to it. So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm awake to, like, walking around with this, like, you know, very heavy grief and still darkness. Um, yeah. And so I, let's see, that takes us to, yeah, we're in January. Um, I, okay. Yeah, sorry. Oh, Go you ahead. want me to keep going? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I start a new medication. 